0: Welcome to this week's edition of UGA Sports Live. My name is Rodney DeBulsey. I will be your host for the next hour or so. I'm joined, of course, by my co-host and special weekly guest, if you will, uh, Jim Donnan, the former Georgia Bulldogs head coach, the Hall of Famer, the reason you are all here to watch the show, and of course, Dane Young, our associate producer, senior a technical guru, whatever you want to call him. The guy basically to make sure this show wow. happens. So you know- he's here. I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. We hope you got everything you wanted, and we hope you had a safe season with uh, all the uh, chill in the air and all the ice. And I was dealing with uh, some friends uh, burst pipes recently, so it's a it, it can be an issue. So, anyway, uh, we're glad you've tuned in with us. We have quite the show for you. We got a lot to talk about. I am in Atlanta. I'm already at the uh, Westin Peachtree Plaza. That's where the uh, all the media uh, things are happening. So, they've had uh, Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann and uh, five players this morning speaking. They had the offensive coordinator for Ohio State and uh, CJ Stroud, and four other players uh, speaking this morning. Uh, this afternoon, they take some tours and do a bunch of bowl stuff. Tomorrow, they flip it and we'll get uh, Todd Munkin and uh, four, uh, five offensive players for Georgia and then the Ohio State defensive coordinator. Then they have practice in the afternoons. So, it's a whole week of the reason we're here now on a Tuesday, even though the game's Saturday. It's a lot of media availability and practice watching that we'll get to do only 15 minutes at a time. But point being, the team is here. Georgia's here. Uh, They practiced in Athens yesterday. Then they drove down. Uh, We had some people send us videos of them going down 316 with that police escort. They took the 79 miles to get here. The day before on Christmas, Ohio State started out in Ohio. Then they came down on Christmas Day and uh, they got here. So the teams are here. They're practicing in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. They're ready to go. And coach, uh, it, it's finally here. We've been talking about this matchup for a couple weeks. Once we found out how the uh, playoffs were going to go, but it's game week, and I, I need to put up our score prediction thing. I forgot to do that completely for the folks at UGA Sports, but it's finally here.
1: Yeah, it's good to uh, get game week because yeah, you, you got so many variables are happening between the end of the season and this. Uh, just like that, you got academics, which certainly are the most important, but then you've got some injury situations. You've got travel involved where which, which I think' it's great that the uh, players get to go home and spend time with their ones but uh, you, you also worry about the the actual them there and getting them back safely and there're just a lot of uh, different kind of cogs in the wheel of uh, transportation there so uh, and it's just a relief to have your team together uh, without any kind of uh, distraction so to speak but uh, certainly, a little bit of difference for the semifinal game and the final game in the fact that they are actually a it is the inclusive bowl game so right. there's there's certain kinds of activities that your team will go to uh you know outside realm of just football I mean I, I know they uh, when we went to the beach bowl they had all kind of different things going on in Atlanta that we went to but I think the uh, uh the you've got to get a real fine line between getting your ready conditioning wise and not wearing a out, standing on their feet uh at some of these uh, social events so but kirby's a master at that they've got a good plan uh the real key is all the other people at the uh, site that are kind of behind the scenes people that do a lot for the football program but uh aren't as involved in the game or, or getting ready for the game, they're a lot more worried about which hospitality suite they can go to and what they can get for free and uh, and just kind of hanging out. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm sure Josh Brooks is trying to delegate that. But I uh, think I've always loved Chick-fil-A. I mean, it's just great. But I, after that Peach Bowl in 98, uh, I'd had about as much peach – uh, Chick-fil-A that I can handle. I mean, they got it on every every.
0: Yeah, they had it here this morning as well. So um, I-, I missed out on that. I was dealing with some stuff. But they, they, the Chick-fil-A here is it's all over the place. Uh, I love it. I get as much Diet Dr. Pepper as I can drink. That That's that's important to me. So uh, it's big. And we actually had a story yesterday because Kirby Smart was asked about it. And uh, well, we'll get to his clips after our first break. You know, the kind of how do you balance the fun stuff that you do with the bowl week versus you know, getting ready for the game? And you can see, he's like, "Yeah, I'm glad they're taking a tour of the College Football Hall of Fame. I'm glad they're doing um, and Mario Andretti racing and all that stuff. But you could tell he's like, "I really wish they were in the uh, meeting rooms working on uh, plays and stuff like that. Uh, but it, that's it's the bowl game is supposed to be the reward. But for all these other teams, Dane, it's uh, th- the bowl game is it's it's the end of their season. Yeah, and you could tell that the t- the timing's weird because it's kind of a celebration if you're in the uh, in any of these other bowl games, you know, Weed Whacker Bowl or Sugar Bowl or something like that. It's just uh, hey, let's go have fun, play one last game. This one has all the meaning in the world, so mm-hmm. it's kind of weird when you have to drop what you're doing and go try to be. Um, uh, uh, have fun. there. They're, they're going to have a basketball shoot around, you know, a b- basketball competition between the two teams. And, you know, you're trying to get these guys all psyched up to beat the guys across the way. And, but they want them to have all these fun, interactive uh, contests throughout the week with each other. And I'm like,
2: well, there's one activity, though, that I, I think is actually probably really appropriate for these Georgia players. This season, it just seems kind of uh, maybe poetic that in the year that Georgia loses Charlie Trippi and Vince Dooley, that these players get to walk the halls of the College Football Hall of Fame where they are heavily featured there and and in the story of this sport and this game. Uh, And so maybe if any of of the celebration of those lives resonates with them and they see that there, maybe that's something that kind of impacts. I'm not saying in terms of football, because like these these guys, they're not emotional once they get on the field, or at least in that way. But I'm saying they've seen those names a lot this year. And so it's pretty cool they get to see them uh, in the lead up to this game.
0: Yeah, and actually, I'm going to the you know aquarium or whatever, so doing all the fun stuff, but it's just you could you could see the c- conflict, and we had a good story about it yesterday at ujsports.com. Check it out, Kirby talking about that balance. But here's the thing: he's been through it so many times. You know, this he's been in the playoffs. They did it last year. They did it uh, you know for the Orange Bowl. And it's like, hey, we got fun stuff to do in Miami. They took him to the beach. They said, look, they have to get away for a couple hours and enjoy themselves and get the reward that is the bowl game. But when they're back in the meeting rooms, when they're back, uh, we're back watching tape, we're back at practice. I want them focused in and dialed in, you know, hair on fire to get ready for this coming Saturday. And it's just a, I think it's a very fine line. You know, you almost have to have a split personality. Hey, let's have fun with these guys. Then let's go kill these guys. So,
1: yeah, I think it's just really important, though, that um, f- from a head coach's perspective, that that you realize all the, the effort that's gone into the uh, the bowl itself and, and the community involvement. And it yeah. sounds like kind of, you know, Atlanta is certainly not a community, but you got a tremendous amount of volunteers and people that have set up their event, and that's the event they're having that day. And you want your team to really act, uh, you know, like I think they're probably going to take them to a hospital. Uh, yep. Uh, you know, sometimes they go to the uh, – uh boys and girls club whatever it might be but uh that's the one thing that i think that is everlasting for a player is this some of the things that happen to you uh outside of football and as roddy mentioned it is kind of a good little change of pace not to just be in the hotel all day and and, and go to practice and then come back and uh it's just you want to be as routine as possible but you really want to give those events your best shot so uh I know we weren't really as concerned about whether we were going to win the, the contest where who ate the most, uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know, prime rib or who ate the most pancakes or, uh, you know, we had a guy in 1972, I think it was at the Gator Bowl. Uh, that they had a lobster eating contest and our guy ate twenty seven, but the guy from Georgia—we were North Carolina and they were Georgia—guy from Georgia ate twenty nine. So, uh, I was—we got beat and we got beat in the game seven to. Hey, lo- lobsters! Yeah, they guy ate, ate twenty nine lobsters. Just the tails? I mean, he took the tails off. I mean, but uh, you know, lobster tails—he ate twenty nine of
0: them. Oh, I, I need to sign up for that competition. So uh, real quick, what they're doing today? Uh, they did the press conferences. Uh, George is going to visit uh, Scottish Rite Hospital. Ohio State's going to visit Eggleston. Uh, joint team visit to the MLK historical site, and then the basketball challenge tonight between nine and nine thirty at the various at the team hotels. So,
1: you know, I think one thing about that uh, MLK deal is they they're actually going to get Andrew Young to make a slight presentation to him. So mm-hmm. that be uh, that's going to be impressive to those men. Absolutely, uh, for Andrew and uh, you know they have some luncheons. I think Coach Bill Curry's speaking. You know he's a real good motivational speaker, but uh, it's just uh, it just helps your team to you know you want to have that edge, and I keep talking about it. And you want to, but but sometimes when you just got everything is just balls to the wall type, you got to relax just a little bit and uh, you just get some laughs. And I always like the ones where the players got up and uh, had to do contests. I know last night they were doing some, like, stuff against Ohio State. And uh, uh, it's just, uh, you know, you see these guys get up there and sing or whatever it might be. It's
2: just great. I want to mention the power of these hospital visits, though, because my older brother has cystic fibrosis. And when the Braves won the World Series in 1995, he got to go to the World Series luncheon. I think it was through he had been in Eggleston and it was through CHOA in Atlanta. Uh, But he had he got to go to the World Series luncheon and he sat with Mike Mordecai, the Braves player that was on the team. Every player had a kid at their table in the family. And we still talk about that to this day. Mike Mordecai is not some superstar, uh, but he was just a really good guy. and He was really nice to my brother at a time where my brother needed one of his heroes from one of his favorite teams to be nice to him. And so this is a big deal for a lot of families around Georgia. And the other thing about it, you know, that you can only take so many players because
1: it's just hard logistically to work them through the hotel out of the hotel and into the hospital and all that. But uh, those guys are standing in line volunteering, wanting to go visit the kids' hospitals. I mean, they, they all want to go and you got to pick just a certain amount of them, but it's just, uh, you know, just gives you a lot to be thankful for when you get it. And then also, as you mentioned, the impact it has on those uh, uh, afflicted people that are in the hospital.
0: Uh, uh, We noticed the same thing, Years ago at the Sugar Bowl, um, too many guys for the number of, that wanted to go to those hospital visits. So, uh, very busy week for these guys. They still have to get ready for the uh, a very tough challenge. Coach, I know that we were talking about this earlier. You said that you felt pretty good about the game if Georgia plays the way it's supposed to. I'm still, you know me, I'm a negative Nelly. I have a muncinitis syndrome. I'm worried about this game. Uh, what have you? I know you've been watching tape and been watching film. Kind of give us a quick breakdown, just. You know, ballpark it uh, of what your your latest thoughts on how this game's changed, maybe from ha- or how you see this game playing out compared to how you might have seen it when we first started talking about it a couple weeks ago. Has anything changed in your mind? Yeah, I, I don't know
1: that it's changed, but I know I do know that you, you always respect all teams and fear none. but from the standpoint of uh, just physical talent, uh, athletic ability, this is the most most uh, talented team. and you look at the recruiting, And you can understand why. It's the most talented team we've played as far as just uh, guys on the roster. Uh, They certainly haven't played a very difficult schedule. And when they've been challenged by good offensive teams, they've had trouble on defense. But I think, you know, we can match it up and talk about all the different things. But we're going to have to put some kind of pressure on Stroud. We just can't let him stand back there. He's very accurate. Uh, and not very mobile. He doesn't, he's okay. Mobility wise, but he doesn't hurt you with the run. So, uh, as we've talked about so many times on these shows and, and watch along. So uh, our team likes to play man under too deep matchup zone type stuff where we really get the underneath coverage with, uh, you know, where they're not worried about areas as, as, as much as they are, man, and you're not worried about the quarterback runs, uh, you go back to that LSU game, we were so worried about uh, the quarterback runs that our linebackers uh, were forced to play zone drops because they were worried about them breaking the line of scrimmage, and we're just not a good zone-dropping linebacker team. We haven't had the experience that those three guys that went to the NFL had. I mean, I watched Quay Walker the other, other day against uh, playing against the Miami Dolphins. I mean, what a player. I mean, just uh, in and out all, the, all day, just making plays all over the field and the same thing with the other two but I I just think we've got to our defense has been really good when we're ahead of the sticks and uh, you you just got to think they're going to throw at least 50 passes in this game I mean if I'm playing Georgia that's what I do I wouldn't waste a lot of time trying to run on us uh, particularly with that one back out so uh, we got to play the ball in the air and hope we don't get a lot of calls. I noticed where Roddy mentioned that the Pac-12 people are going to be calling a game. Uh, you know, they're not as bad about calling pass interference as maybe the Big 12 and ACC are. But, uh, you know, I think find out how they're calling the game. I don't know if we're going to match up uh, Keeley on, uh, on Harrison, the number 18, their best receiver. But we we'll probably play some field coverage with uh, – Lester and uh, played Keeley in the boundary. But so overall, I, I just think we got to get some vertical pressure on him, play the ball in the air and be in the sticks. And then offensively, this team really sets itself up to give up explosive plays. You know, Michigan had six plays over 50 yards. Uh, we've got that potential to do that. Uh, I think we let our quarterback go a little bit more here. By that, I mean, maybe not be so worried about him. Uh, getting exposed uh, on on running plays, maybe let him keep the ball a little bit more and uh, move him around in the pocket. But uh, hopefully A.D. Mitchell's going to be ready. I don't know. Uh, it, you know, Every time we say he is, he doesn't play much. But I think the big key in this game to me is what, what McConkie can and cannot do. He just gives you such a vertical threat, uh, whether it's for vertical or on the deep cross or reverses or jet sweeps, uh, we don't have that with anybody else. I mean, Kiaris is okay, you know, possession-type receiver, so is uh, uh, Blaylock, but uh, his health is very paramount for us. Um, we, we need him to be ready to go, and uh, everybody knows about a running game, about power running games there, kicking game-wise, you know, we should be okay. So I, I think it all boils down to if we play our best and we pl- and they play their best, we win. If we play – okay and they play okay we win but if we play poorly and they play better um, just their average we're gonna have a hard time stopping these guys so uh, we're gonna have to get some help from the refs play the ball in the air and make sure that our offense takes care of business so I mean it's not gonna be
2: a walk in the park that's for sure and coach with the program what does it mean for some of the younger guys just to be involved in this atmosphere? Because I've heard Kirby say that, that the guys that are playing in this game now are the ones that were kind of watching it happen last year or maybe a smaller role. In an extreme case, there's even a few that were in the 2017 CFP.
1: Yeah, here's what happens here, just for the fans, just to make sure you understand. There's probably 15, 16 practices just for for the bowl game. And then if you add the championship game, which we hopefully get to, there's eight more. That So you have uh, 20-plus practices, and Kirby does a really good job of intertwining and getting ready for the opponent, but also having a kind of mini-spring practice for the second and third guys that aren't necessarily prime contributors to the team. So you can go out there and have extra drills, extra teamwork, extra uh, situational work with those guys, and those reps are quality – uh type deals that get you ready uh if you're called on this year but next year you've already had all that and you've had that experience of getting ready for a big game in the lead up to it like the meetings i mean the extra meeting time you're getting is just reinforcing your assignments and knowing what to do and and uh, so when spring practice comes in you've had all the fall camp you've had all the the, this preparation and it's just repetitious and you're not thinking as much about what to do because we have a myriad of defenses and offenses and all that. But the other thing that I think that's really cool that I found out just kind of a, on a lark that I, that I didn't know. I wish I knew all these new NCA rules, but you know, we've always talked about and Roddy's mentioned on the site, all the guys that show up uh, that have signed with us just for a couple of days prior to the team leaving for the uh, bowl just to get their physicals, practice a little bit, work out. We had, to think, nine guys do that. But yeah. now the NCAA has allowed them to actually go to the bowl site and practice, uh, and uh, they can't get any bowl gear or they can't play in the game or anything like that, that that's based on what you did as a, on the team for Georgia. But you can go. And uh, boy, that kind of experience is invaluable. So I think yeah. we've got like C.J. Harris, Allen uh, Williams, uh, uh, Lucky, and uh, Jarrett. Those five guys are over in Atlanta, and they're out there, uh, you know, going through the whole whole deal with everybody. And uh, boy, that's going to be great for them going into into the spring. But I know Roddy knew that, and he. I just, did not
0: know. I'm thinking about all the corrections I got to put out.
1: No, I mean, that's pretty cool, though. I think I didn't didn't know that a guy in Oklahoma was telling me when I was out there that uh, Oklahoma had four guys going to the Cheez-It Bowl to to practice down there with him. I said, hey, they can't do that. You know, uh, that's not – and sure enough, I checked with some people here and found out that we actually – that's a new rule this year that uh, you can do that, and those are the five guys that are there.
0: All right, so, folks, uh, I apologize in the past. I didn't know about the rule change either, Coach, so this is new. Uh, we, we mentioned a week ago or a while back that nine Georgia players had – Georgia's going to have 17 early enrollees or 18, some somewhere, somewhere around there. Uh, of course, the two transfer wide receivers plus a number of the guys they signed on the signing day recently. Then uh, we mentioned nine of them showed up on a Saturday. They went through a Saturday practice, a Sunday practice, getting acclimated. Uh, and we've kept saying they could practice they, while they you change on, in Athens, but on
1: Saturday and three on Monday.
0: Yeah. Cool. yeah but I'm like, well, but that's it. They can't, they can't, once they're, once the team goes to Atlanta, they just, they can't practice with them anymore, but hey, come to find out they can. That's fantastic. So well, my right. apologies. You're, I didn't know they you're changed the rule. You were right. You are right all the way. I mean, this, yeah, that's what that's it's great. always been prior to now, but, uh, And I want to go back on something you said, Coach, about uh, Mention and Dane about the guys getting that practice, how much it helps them. Two of the guys that spoke this morning, you had uh, Dumas Johnson and Smile Munden. Those guys stepped in after three inside linebackers got taken to the NFL draft, like you mentioned, Coach, and didn't miss a beat. Nazir Stackhouse steps up, doesn't miss a beat. Kamari Lasser steps in, does a great job. I mean, I can even go back to Chris Smith when he had to step in for uh, Richard LeCount. Just, you know, again, he'd been here a while, but That's, and Kirby was asked, what makes your defense so good? How is it when you lose defensive coaches and you lose all these guys to the NFL, what keeps your defense good? You know, and he was asked this the other day and we'll have a quote on him from just, in just a minute. And he said, we got a system. And he wasn't taking anything away from the coaches, but he's like, you come and you learn our system and our development system. And to your point, I know people might not get excited about 15 practices, but Kirby, he's like, I can get these guys 15 days closer when I lose the, my new my next batch to the NFL, I got guys to plug and play. So, and that's exactly when they're talking to Ryan Day and some of the other uh, Ohio State coaches. When they talk about Georgia, they mention that explosive offense. They're not naming individual guys; they're naming the system. So, I think it's pretty interesting. When I get worried about the game, and you mentioned Georgia's system and not so much the individual players, it makes me makes me feel better. I appreciate it. Right.
1: Well. You know, systems don't win for you, but it's good to know that you, you've got something in place. But, but I think the overriding thing here that we've talked about is our practices and certainly other teams practice like this too. But I think it just helps you get – feel better about playing in a game because you've gone against a guy similar as far as the ability you're going against all fall. Uh, that's why a guy like uh, – you know, we you got Thomas blocking pass pro and and all those guys are working on pass rush against him, who's an NFL first rounder. And they're practicing every day against him, even though they're third team or fourth team at that point, then they become first team. Uh, so I think it's uh, and, and you got to bite the bullet a little bit as a coach sometimes because you're thinking about, boy, we got this game. We got – boy, we just got to be careful about giving the threes any reps because it's going to take time for the ones and twos. getting. But the more you can give those threes some work using your system and your plays instead of scout team, the better they're going to be. So Kirby does that. I mean, uh, you you know, ones will get five or six plays against the ones. Twos will get maybe four or five. And then threes will go in there and maybe get three plays. But that's – that adds up you know, and and the kids feel like that, you know, Hey, they're just not putting me out to to pasture here. They're still trying to develop me. And then you bring that over to, to the, when we're having the uh, bowl practices, then if you bring in nine extra guys, like you just mentioned, right, those guys can practice and run the scout team. And that makes it easier for the twos and threes to get more reps doing some of their stuff, you know, so and that all adds together there. I hope that I made that clear there how that works. But instead of, instead of uh, say, a, a third team or guy like, um, you know, J- Meek, somebody like that at wide receiver having to run down and run, be Marvin Harrison, then they might have uh, Williams in there doing it. And Meeks is over there working on some technique with uh, McClendon and Munkin or something like that. So that, that's the way they do that.
0: I love it. Uh, speaking of a good system, I want to mention our friends over at Athens Ford. They are a—they uh, have a great system for buying cars, getting in used cars, getting in new cars, and I remember when we first started mentioning them, they have 1,000, know, 1,200 cars on the lot. Then COVID hit, and there was this big backup, and they, they got down to like 200 cars, which was still 150 more cars than a lot of other dealerships you pass by. Right now, they're back up to about 445, so my point is they are getting back to their standards. They're getting back to uh, more and more inventory. I know Brian Clover and the folks over there, they do a great job uh, reaching out, getting vehicles. And I can tell you that they are, they turn around so fast. They're not making a ton on them. Uh, I'm not saying they're volume sales, but they, they move a lot of vehicles. And I know when I was shopping for a car for my boy, finding out what they paid for some stuff and uh, what they were, what they're charging it for. I'm like, that's, that's just staying alive. But they've they've come through COVID, they've come through the inventory crunch, they're getting better. So next time when you go over to Athens Ford, uh, you have a fantastic opportunity to see a lot more cars than by anybody around by far. So hit up our friends at Athens Ford. It's gonna be a fantastic visit. They're going to take great care of you. If you need any service, they got you covered there. If you even want them to come out and service your vehicle, if you live if you live within 20 miles of Athens, they have a mobile service van. They'll come out and put the little computer on it, see what's wrong with it, uh, fix your tires, batteries, stuff like that. Anything they can fix, you know, from their van, they will do it. Just reach out to Athens Ford and they will take care of you. also want to mention our friends over at uh, Dead Soxy. It's been a great Christmas uh, season. They sold a lot of socks. They have a lot of fantastic packages over there. If you didn't get what you want, you wanted the Dead Soxie and somebody didn't get them for you, swing by Dead Soxy get the bloody socks that you want. Don't worry about, you know, oh, I can't believe so-and-so didn't get them for me. Hey, if they, they weren't classy enough to get you the best socks on the market, then you got to do it yourself. Also, if you realized, hey, we forgot somebody. Well, that's a great item to get. They're incredibly comfortable. They stay up. The colors are fantastic. Try out Dead Soxy. The, the packaging comes, you're not gonna have to spend a lot of time, uh, making them look like a gift because the packaging is fantastic. So, Hit up Dead Soxie. Use a promo code UGA Sports. Get a discount there. I
2: want to pub our YouTube page over at UGA too, because uh, all these interviews that are being done with Georgia and Ohio State players and coaches and assistant coaches—they're appearing there uh, all this week. So go over and check it out. Georgia Bulldogs football. Search uh, UGA Sports football. Georgia Bull. Any combination of that, it'll get you to our page because we're the most popular one. On YouTube, and Kirby Smart was asked specifically about Georgia's tight ends and how uh, just the depth that it has at tight end and the top end talent at tight end helps them with formation So much of college football now is eleven personnel. Um, so when you when you play twelve, it's always different uh, from a defensive perspective because you know what sets they can make. Um, they can be a little more multiple, um, but you probably lose some speed when you do that and. Uh, that's, that's that probably what makes ours different is we don't sacrifice a lot
1: of speed from, from 11 to 12, um, like some teams might. And, um, you know, to stretch the field vertically and horizontally, you need speed. So, 12 uh, has been a good personnel
2: for us this year. Coach, explain that to me in layman's terms.
1: Well, 11 o'clock is one hour before 12 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> you basically, uh, Got You know, people started out with 21, which was two backs, uh, you know, and then one wide receiver, uh, uh, two tight ends, whatever you might want to call it. But 11 is one wide receiver. I mean, one back, three wide receivers and a tight end. 12 is two tight ends, two back, one back and two wide receivers. So but whether you have a formation, uh, it's look looks the same to the defense, except who's playing those positions. So. All of a sudden, if you've got two tight ends in there and you want to go three by one, three, three receivers to the field and one to the boundary, you can have that one tight end be tight or he can split out so it looks like four wide receivers. Or you can have him tight and have, have Bowers in the slot and he, he still has the ability to threaten, as Kirby said, the, the field vertically or you can have just two tight ends and two wide receivers where you have more of a power blocking one on each side or you can put them together where you have a wing look with a slot to the field and one of those guys can go in motion or one of you know or they just come off together and we have the capabilities of going 13 which is three tight ends but the the, the beauty of that is You run the same formations that you would run with with three wide receivers and one tight end in the game because Bowers is so good at being that extra wide receiver and it puts a lot of pressure on the defense. I mean, do you put another linebacker in there or you put another nickel guy in there? Once you put another nickel or go to two uh, two extra defensive backs, that's when we're going to all of a sudden go back to pounding it because now they're not near as good against the run. But if you don't put a secondary guy in there, then we're going to throw it on him because it's hard for a linebacker to cover either Washington or Bowers.
2: The differentiator to me is that Georgia does have a tight end that could be kind of a hybrid receiver. It also has a tight end that could be a hybrid tackle, and I think that's hard. <laughs> I don't think many teams have that.
1: Yeah, I mean, his wingspan, just put Darnell number zero, Washington. His wingspan is really the, what you're looking for in NFL – and he's physical, but he's also very, uh, very gives you a good target. Uh, it's just we've we've gone over this so many times on uh, our shows. But for anybody that has missed it, the RPOs when you call a run, and uh, then you have some built-in tags on it where if it doesn't look good, you give different routes to the receiver. Sometimes it's just reading that linebacker and throwing behind him to a vertical guy like Darnell or Bowers. Sometimes it's just throwing an outside route to a receiver because the coverage is soft and, uh, but it eliminates so many bad plays. I mean, rather than have to just go up there and check off and somebody missed the checkoff, your quarterback just sees, Hey, this is not a good blocking percentage here. They got more people than we can block, or they got better angles. Excuse me. So, uh, and we got a really good quarterback that can can read the defense and get us out of that. That's why we've only had seven sacks this year.
2: Now, over to the Ohio State side, and uh, Ryan Day was asked about George's depth. We talked about these teams having among the most talent of any teams in the country. Here's what Ryan Day had to say about George's depth chart. Yeah, well, they've done a great job recruiting and have depth um, at so many positions. And so, I know one of their um, was something they take a lot of pride in is playing uh, a lot of depth. Um, you know, in, in in offense and defense. You know, I think like you said, there's there's guys who roll in the in the the front, there's guys who roll in the back end, multiple running backs, multiple wide receivers. Um so uh you know, that's when you're playing against a really good team who plays with a lot of depth and is recruited really well, that's that's one of the, the things you have to uh, prepare for. So has depth on the front and back end. And, Coach, to me, one of the most unique things about Georgia this year that I haven't seen a lot in college football, at least at the high end, Georgia rotates offensive linemen in and out uh, for multiple series, and, and that's been new to Georgia this year.
1: Yeah, I think Stacey Searles, a new line coach, is, is, uh, has a lot of confidence in some of our uh, backup players who are capable of being starters. Will at guard, uh, uh, Mims at tackle, and they use a myriad of different – things in there. And they also put uh, 60 in there too. Uh, He he can play all those positions. So uh, it's a little bit different there. And then defensive line, even though you might give up a little bit of experience, I I just think uh, Kirby's philosophy is to roll those defensive linemen in and out and keep them fresh and uh, just don't roll Carter out of there too much. Keep (laughs) Keep him going. And I will say this, that I was just really pleased to see, uh, uh, Carter have a uh, a day for the kids in a pop down there where he had a luncheon for all the uh, kids in, in his area and uh, just see the smiles on their faces and him doing that was great and I, I understand from our good friend Nat Long over in uh, Atlanta that Broderick Jones did the same thing uh, for for a lot of kids over there uh, presented some Christmas uh, cheer to them and. Uh, he just uh, always got a smile on his face. Broderick's just a premier kid. I mean, young man. He's not a kid, but he, he's always smiling. But uh, just, just just they're sharing their NIL. I like that. I thought that was great.
0: Yeah. I think that we uh, mentioned the depth, that clip you had of Kirby, was mentioned how his team does 12 more than a lot of other teams because he doesn't lose any speed by bringing in, you know, having Brock Powers in there. He also said, I look forward to us using more 13. You know because we got some other guys to come in, so to think about you know, that, I think
1: that's bait there. I mean, what I mean, I, I, he, he might be putting, I, I know in. I was
0: going to say the same thing. I'm like, maybe just giving them one other thing to, to work on, you know, one other thing yeah, to look Ned's at capable of doing that, and that's great. But, but you know, that uh,
1: okay. uh in the country, there's only two teams that use 12 personnel mo- more than us, and uh, I think Iowa and maybe Utah. But uh, we've got a phenomenal percentage of pass completions. Almost 70% of the passes we've thrown from 12 personnel has been completed for like 1,500 yards. I mean, and I don't know how many touchdowns, but just uh, makes you want to do it more, that's for sure.
0: I was going to say, I think it's definitely bait, you know, to throw something out there. But the reason it works, Coach, is what Ryan Day just said. They've got the depth. So if you were to look at Georgia's third or fourth string uh, tight end, you'd be like, oh, well, I mean, if, if they haven't recruited well, you're like, oh, that's some BS. That's some bullshit. It's, they're, they're not going to do that. But when you see an Oscar Delp or a Rylan Goody there or a Brett Sather, you're like, shit, they can use him. Okay. Uh, just in well, case, guys. <laughs> but and that, you're that way across the board. Uh, when you say, let's, let's, let's go to Nickel, who's your Nickel guy? Who's your star guy? Who's your uh, – if you have to do that, you're just like, wow, they got – all these five star cornerbacks they haven't started using. Dalen Everett's just chomping at the bit to get out there. Hey, look, you know the Jalen no, Kimbers no. of the world.
1: Yeah, I tell you one uh, for sure. Uh, Everett's made dramatic improvement with the coaching he's gotten from Kirby and Mustamp and Fran Brown. I mean, he's very coachable, and uh, he just you just see him in practice what he does. A few times I've been over there. I mean, he he can cover, and he he likes to compete and And Nylon Green has done a really good job as our gunner. He made a bad move one time and hit a guy too early. But uh, Kirby has mentioned that in in another press conference. And you know, to look at defensive backs so much as corners or safeties or nickels, just uh, getting enough numbers in there where you got to supplement your special teams and your uh, depth on your nickel and dime stuff. I don't know that we're that good in the secondary, but we got, Oh, I'm talking about great, but we got a lot of good players that are yeah. going to become better. I mean, a lot like what Lasseter did from last year to this year and Bullard from last year to this year. I think you're going to see some some really good jumps by those safeties and and by uh, hopefully Humphreys and uh, Singletary and some of those guys are getting all those reps that can't help but help them.
0: Yeah. The, the mention of the depth thing always made me think about how – a few years ago, we, we were talking about this kid named Aziz Ojolari. Nobody knew who the hell he was. He'd missed most of the season. He comes in the Sugar Bowl, blows it up. Last year, I mean, two of the biggest plays in the playoffs were made by William Poole. You know, it's just a guy you hadn't heard a lot of uh, highlights about throughout the season. Then at the very end, they pop up. So that uh, uh, – Dalen Everett, that tracks. Everett could be the guy that all of a sudden it's like, wow, he turned it on there at the last bit at the end. So – I get excited about that, but then I get nervous when I look at who Ohio State has, because we have a story on the front page of UJSports.com right now about C.J. Stroud. That's a guy that Georgia went after very hard. Uh, Took a divisional visit here. Kirby said some great things about uh, what it was like recruiting him. Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle. I remember driving up to North Carolina to see him at a camp. Uh, Fantastically gifted player. Uh, They've got uh, some of the best talent that Georgia's seen. So they've recruited really well. Georgia may be a little bit deeper, but... That starting uh, 44 up there, Coach, is pretty good.
1: Yeah, they got good players, and they've been well coached. I mean, uh, I've always had a lot of uh, respect for Wilson. The offensive coordinator used to be out at Oklahoma, uh, just got the Tulsa job. And, uh, you you know, Ryan Day has has done a good job calling plays, regardless who these quarterbacks have been. They've always been very explosive. I mean, you know, he did a good job with fields, and, uh Just, there, it's going to be, uh you, you know, you got to go out there. It's like when when I used to say uh, when I'd play somebody in tennis that I knew I should beat, but I knew if I didn't go out there and play like I was going needed to, that, that I wasn't going to win. You got to beat them. You, you just can't go out there and expect them to. And these guys kind of got a little burr in their saddle too because they got to got chomped up pretty badly by their, uh, arch nemesis. And they, they kind of got a reprieve here to get, get back in the playoffs. So they want to come in and prove that they're worthy of it. I, I think talent wise, they're definitely right up there with anybody we've played, but, uh, gets back to, they just don't play the teams that we play week in and week out. I mean, you look at the tape and, and I'm sure that Dane and Brent Rollins have brought it up. I mean, uh, Northwestern didn't win a game, but they played in a in a bad weather situation. Uh, Maryland areas, played them hard. Yeah, Maryland's
2: okay. I mean, but what are they, seven five? Or? Yeah, you throw Maryland in the SEC West or even the SEC East, it's like it's not going to go good for them. They got a quarterback,
1: but and their tight end just went to Alabama. Uh, well, I'm just telling you now, Alabama has got their backs to the wall and. Throwing out some heavy, heavy, heavy stuff that you usually get at an ATM. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, there, there's panic over in Tuscaloosa. That, that's, a, that's a fact. We saw, we're seeing that on the recruiting trail. Uh, I can tell you
1: one thing. If I was Kansas State, I would get a couple of chaplains on the sideline for that game because I, I think <laughs> Alabama, I mean, they've made a – I know they got some good insurance policies for Bryce Young and, and, uh, Will Anderson, but I, I just think that is that is a condo bet right there. Uh, Bam, a minus six and a half. It's just, ooh, ooh.
0: I love it. All right, speaking of uh, good bets, I want to mention our friend, uh, uh, Brian Beachy over at uh, My Perfect Franchise. Uh, My Perfect Franchise, when I mention this and people don't quite understand what it is, they're basically franchise coaches. Andy Ledecky, uh the former Braves pitcher, uh, uh, Brandon Beachy, they you meet with them and say, Look, I, I'm thinking of starting a franchise. Now, my moronic self, I thought that all franchises were like uh, you know, restaurants, I didn't realize that there were other things out there. Well, there are 3,000 different franchises you can get from standalone stores to stuff you do out of your home to uh, like the restaurants that we talk about. You know, we'll mention uh, uh your pie that's a franchise you can uh, meet with them and you know, open up your own, open your own your pie. But if you're not sure how to get into it, how do I do financing? How do I get the license? How do I get the store? How do I do this? Reach out to Andy Ludecki and Brian Beachy at myperfectfranchise.net. It doesn't cost you anything. Just reach out and say, hey, I just want to know more and they will help you now. uh, If you wind up getting one, they get paid by the franchise people they set up. So it never costs you anything. So reach out to Andy and uh, Brandon and say, look, just, Help me out here. I might, I, might, I might want to stay in my current job and do this on the side, or I might want to just get out of the rat race and set up my own uh, income stream. So hit them up when you get a chance and you'll you will thank me for it when you get when you do. also want to mention uh, our friends at your pie. You know, this was something this was a concept that was started by uh, uh, Drew Bobo, uh, Drew, Bobo excuse me, Drew and Natalie French. Uh, the interesting. <laughs> but Drew started it, and you know, uh, hell's getting big now. Yeah, he is. Uh, started by Drew, and basically they got the idea on their honeymoon. They're in Italy, and he's like, "This pizza thing is fantastic." They had a in Ishka, Italy, the town, and he just loved it. And he brought the concept. He worked on it on the plane back, and went out and started a business. And it, you walk in, you get, you know, they toss a, a pizza crust in front of you, then they put all the sauce and cheese and whatever you want on it, just like a you order each individual topping and it doesn't, they don't add, they don't charge you per topping. And then they slide into a super hot oven. The crust comes out fantastic. The pizza is the best you'll ever have. By the time you've gotten your Coke and paid for everything and sat down, they bring it to your table. It is a great concept. He franchised that idea. Now they're up to 60, 70 locations all over the place. So if you want a great business, you can open up your own, uh, your pie. But if you just want a great pizza or a great, uh, breadsticks are a great salad or pasta. Check out your pie. Do it today. Today's Tuesday. You get double points on Tuesday if you use their uh, your pie app. So hit them up when you get the chance.
2: Yeah, use the app and skip the line. That's what I like yeah. to do because it's a really good app and they have a great interface. Well, let's
1: get so to it. I just want to mention one thing here that, and then we'll get into these questions. But one of the good things about social media that I know about, there's a lot of bad ones, is, is you can keep up information on your previous teams and previous players and all that and uh, in the last couple of days I've lost two really good players one that uh, played for me at uh, Missouri Demetrius Johnson who just a tremendous young player from out of uh, St. Louis played defensive back was a leader on our team in the 80s and he also got involved with a lot of people in the uh, East St. Louis area as far as helping uh, homeless kids and and, and he's, he's helped uh missouri's new coach there drinkowitz with the nil over there in the, in the st louis area just had a tough deal with his heart and uh rest in peace demetrius and then john green played uh defensive i mean running back for me at oklahoma he wasn't a starter he but he was a good blocker and he came in there once in a while in the wishbone and has had diabetes over the last couple four years and had a couple of his uh limbs removed but just didn't make it but uh Damn. I want everybody to know that I'm really, you know, and all our fans out here that, you know, there's nothing like being a coach, but it's tough when you lose some of your players.
2: Sending our love to them. Let's get to some questions from UGA Sports.com. What's a weakness that Ohio State has that Georgia can exploit? That question is from Cajun Dog. Uh
1: something that we can exploit. Yeah. Well, I think just the the fact that they take so many chances on defense and they play that zebra coverage where they, uh, you know, put their corners on an island. So uh, if, if you just watch their uh, watch their team where the alignment of their star or their nickelback is, they play outside leverage, outside the slot. So they give them an inside re- release, <clears throat> but their safety can double cover them a little bit. But once they do that on the inside release, then the corners on an island out there – so it really presents a, a lot of chances to throw the post behind it or the, the nine route. So that's something. And then on the, on the weak side, they really count on the free safety because they have so much coverage to the field. He's got to protect the B gap on the run. So the inside run to the weak side of three by one or any kind of look there where your front, I don't want to get too technical, but they're counting on that. That got to come up there and play because their strong side linebackers helping so much to the field, and their weak side linebackers got to help a little bit. So free state. So you got about four or five yards on on the weak side run anytime you want it, and he's got to
2: make that tackle. So there's two things that maybe help you. From Dean Dog, and I think you may have answered this, Coach. And maybe this is further elaboration. If you had Ohio State's roster and you were playing Georgia, what would your offensive game plan be? You said throw it a ton.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're just not a real good running team, and you're not a good physical team that knocks people off the ball. You you do have a a, an efficient tight end, and you got some really good wide receivers. Uh, The one thing about throwing the ball, it's a great equalizer if you can protect, but you got to be able to launch it. And I think they're in lines. What what are they going to do? They're going to give up one of their receivers and keep their tight end end to help. Are they going to keep their back end to chip off on the help the tackles? I don't think the tackles need a lot of help on their protection. They got good players like Roddy mentioned, Paris Johnson, but I think they're inside three, their nose. I mean, their center and their two guards really going to have to have a really good pregame meal <laughs> going <laughs> against our front now. I think they're going to have some issues. So, uh, but that's your strength. Throw it. Hey, you know, uh, I always looked at it like this. You know, uh, some people say, boy, hey, I'm really worried about the pressure. You know, what are we going to do? You know, I mean, you live if you're a passing team for to go against one-on-one matchup. That's what you practice against. So, I mean, it's us against them. So uh, that's a real challenge that they they're going to have to meet that challenge. Tennessee couldn't do it. Can they do it? I don't know. I think they got a
2: little better old line than Tennessee's. I've been good. Ask who has a better gig, Anthony Dasher or Jim Nance? Yeah. I think there's only about
1: uh, 17 million difference in that those two gigs, but I don't know what he's making, but Jim Nance is up to 17 million right now. And, uh, That's pretty close to that. Yeah, but, you know, Jim Nance, I mean, lives out there on, at uh, Pebble Beach, got a house right there on the thing. and uh, He has a replica hole at the park. We, we, we're, really we're really high on uh, Reese because we deal with him all the time, but Jim Nance is just – He's just quality he did our championship game in ninety two when we won it, and I've stayed in touch with him over the years at c b s not like every year, but uh see him at the masters i mean he just he's a guy that would i guarantee if he he would come on and, and come in here and speak to everybody in the room, he's a good man.
0: hey can we take a minute but I got more questions. can we uh give a shout out to will Muschamp for trolling Kirk herb earlier today? <laughs> yeah,
1: that was pretty funny. Yeah. For
0: those of you who missed it, uh, when you know, Will Buschamp was uh, being interviewed about the uh, last time Georgia played uh, Ohio State, uh, he mentioned Citrus that in the Citrus Bowl. Said, "Yeah, when we saw uh, that during one of these events, you know, they have the events where the guys come out and they do all this fun stuff. So, Yeah, the first time we saw Kirk Herbstreit through a pass, we we knew we were going to win. And be sure, be sure you told him I said that. So, yeah. uh, shout out and." Kirk Herbstreit had a bad game against George. I think he went what eight of twenty three or something like that. So he did not have a good game. So uh, thanks, Will Muschamp, for providing a yeah. The they line get, you this morning they get a
1: chance to bust those reporters once in a while. That's pretty good by Will.
2: <laughs> I love. But, he's so funny. From, Utley hear from 1990- Will again
1: in two years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Utley, nineteen ninety two, asked who would win in a fight: an emu or a llama? Explain your answer.
1: Answer, Roddy, you're the. I'm
2: gonna tell you, it's
0: gonna be the emu. The llamas can spit and they can run away, but emus, those things are prehistoric, and the beaks on them, he take a take a llama's eye and it's over. So that's the answer.
2: I actually have an emu story. So I grew up uh, in East Dublin, Georgia, Bruton area, if anyone's down that way, Snellbridge Road, and uh, one of our neighbors had exotic pets. I think this neighbor was later arrested for growing weed. I don't know that for sure, but that's what I think happened. Anywho, I'm in middle school and I'm in the front yard waiting for my cousin to come pick me up as a, a car rider and one of this this neighbor had an emu that got loose and was like just prancing through the road and then onto like my family's property and They called the sheriff's office out there, and I'm like, what are they going to do?
1: Hey, that's pretty – I mean, you don't find stuff like that on any site, man. It's not too many guys that saw MU straight up like you, Dane. Plus – On the way to school.
2: I know there's no general managers that ever did that. Not yet. Uh, we'll, We'll do a break after this from PA Dog. Coach, who would win in a cage fight, Dane or Roddy? Why?
1: Against each other?
2: Yeah. It's not a question. It's Roddy for sure. But, you know, you can explain. Roddy's, it Roddy's
1: a cold-blooded killer. I've seen him in action. I haven't seen you. Uh, you know, Roddy, Roddy does some of these cage fights on the side. When when we go down to South Georgia to do those uh, speeches and stuff, uh, he, you know, after he leaves, he goes out and moonlights as a cage guy.
0: <laughs> I got to make payroll somehow, baby. <laughs> Got to keep all you guys in in the dough. I just know
2: he'd have his son training him, and that would be all. That would I would, would take
1: be. Ollie
0: against any of you
1: guys. <laughs> yeah, we all would. I would take him. I mean, that guy's built.
0: He came home. Um, he looks ridiculous. I right, speaking of being built, I want to mention our friends over at uh, Prime Shrimp. They have built a fantastic company that you need to try out. They're in New Orleans. It's a very old company. They've been around a long time. They started out making. Seafood processing equipment, you know, for these other giant uh, seafood processors. So somebody has to make the stuff that does it. Well, they have a system that peels and deveins shrimp. They get a bunch of shrimp, they peel it, devein it, and then they season it and they freeze it. So it's not cooked, it's just frozen, but it has the seasonings on it. And they will ship it all across the country. So you go to primeshrimp.com, you put in promo code UGA Sports, you get 20% off, and you get to try all their different uh meals and uh, all their different flavors. It comes to your house frozen with uh, dry ice in the insulated box. You take it out, you pop it in your freezer. When you're ready for some shrimp, you put on uh, two quarts of boiling water, you take the shrimp out of the freezer, you drop the bag into the boiling water, flip it over once, four minutes later, you take it out, wait a second, it's a little hot. Then when you cut the top off like boiling bag rice, you dump your shrimp out. The shrimp is fantastic. They've you know, got the garlic herb. They got the cracked lemon pepper. They got the Alfredo. They got the barbecue, the New Orleans barbecue uh, shrimp. The, there's a bunch of flavors. They even have the plain shrimp. If you just say, look, I want to do a shrimp cocktail, it's great stuff. It's easy to do. I can even do it without burning it. It doesn't overcook. It's not undercooked. It's perfect every time. And the flavors are fantastic. We've had so many people at UGA Sports try it. They absolutely love it. So every time uh, you Think about, hey, I'd like some shrimp tacos. I want some uh, shrimp alfredo. Think prime shrimp when you get that, uh, when it comes through. Also to mention, Academia Brewing Company, if you want something besides shrimp, they have their fantastic beer and breakfast brunch every Saturday and Sunday. You need to try their beer and, beer and biscuits brunch. I can't even say it. Uh, they make great biscuits out there. They put a ton of stuff on them. You can get them any way you want. The brunches are great. Then they have wine Wednesdays, uh, trivia Tuesdays. There's always something going on. And, of course, they have fantastic beer. So the thing about the beer out there is they win awards for all the different creations they do. And it's always something new just about every week. There's a new beer going out there. And you're sitting in this huge uh, restaurant with great service, a great bar, a great lounge area, the outdoor patio when the weather's nice. And you can see into the back that this is an actual, you know, this is a brewery. They're making uh, beer, and they are packaging it up, and they have a big refrigerator right by the door on your way out that you can buy a bunch of it. So, if you want good beer, fantastic food, stuff to a great place to watch the game or you know, watch any games uh, or go see live music, uh, comedy events, uh, all sorts of stuff like that, check out our friends at Academia Brewing Company. You will not be sorry.
2: All right, let's limit answers to 15 seconds to get there as much as we can here in the next uh, five, 10 minutes. Simplified Dog 76. Uh, which team has the advantage on special teams? Coach, also, is there a special teams player on a team that you coach that stands out that maybe flew under the radar but was always a, a contributor on special teams?
1: Yeah, I think we got an edge in the special teams just because of our, we play so many first teamers on there and you know, our, our kickers to spend money uh, all year, uh, place kicker and kicking off. And, and as far as somebody that was a Special teams guy for me was Troy Brown up at uh, Marshall, just uh, unreal. Uh, we didn't think he was that great coming out of – and I kidded him. I said, you, you're one of the first guys I've ever seen that can't dance. Uh, when he was here, they were, they were trying to – he was trying to play basketball. and He couldn't, wasn't a very good basketball player. Didn't have much rhythm dancing. I said, how are you going to
2: be a wide receiver? But he played 15 years in
1: the NFL, so Jeez. Troy Brown. <laughs>
2: 15 years. Damn. No one W88 wants to know. He says, We've talked to, about coaches, how they talk to each other leading up to a big game like this. What happens when two coaches, let's say Kirby Smart Ryan Day, when they call the same coach to get the scouting report on the other team? What happens in that case? Is there any kind of coaching code of what you tell who? Oh, good question.
1: It just depends on who you, what your relationship is with them. You know, I mean, it's, you know, certainly Kirby, if, is going to know certain guys and uh, coach today is going to know certain guys, but uh, not a lot of secrets out there, but, you know, sometimes particularly signals or uh, just uh, go-to type situations. I know uh, Kirby mentioned in the press conference, he had studied Oklahoma state's defense a little bit because Jim Knowles was the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma state before he was hired at Ohio state. And, uh, you go back several years and look at what their tendencies are and how they call games, uh, and, and particularly if they've got some games against people who run a similar formations that you do. Uh, I know one of the best coaching jobs I ever did was when we were playing a team one time, and uh, I looked at this coach's background and saw where he had run. We were running the wishbone, and it's hard to get tape on him. I, I looked at – he'd run this tape – our film when he was coaching at uh, someplace in Louisiana when he was in one double A and he came out there and ran exact defense against us. And we it was like stealing the whole game. (laughs) I mean, it was like stealing.
2: love it. Boom mf for dog ask, do you think Georgia, how does Georgia's edge rushers stack up against Ohio state's tackles, knowing that you have to get pressure on CJ Stroud?
1: I think their tackles are their strength. As I mentioned earlier, We, we probably won't get, uh, a lot of pressure there, but we can get some uh, going at him with two people, whether it's with the star or with the linebacker or a safety m- mixing it up and then getting their guard and their backer involved I and mean, where he's just not one-on-one, he's having to make a decision uh, and the precision with which we rush the passer, it's going to be, you know, you don't want any wasted steps. I mean, it, it, there's such a good timing team that if you can get him off his spot. So if you've got to come off the edge where the end comes down and you come around, you need to come right off his butt there and not go outside. Don't waste any steps. So precision on our pass rush is going to be important.
2: P-Tech one, do you think Georgia plays more dime against Ohio State? Good question. I think we'll play
1: some of it. It just depends on what the down and distance is. I like getting an extra DB in there, though. Uh, particularly, you know, we've we've played against teams in the past, like when uh, Coach uh, – Malzahn was that we won that game after we lost the first one to uh, Auburn. We came in there and played them in the – played the first game with a lot more uh, nickel and dime. And in the second game, we played a lot more conventional stuff to stop the run. So uh, we can go either way there. But it's always good if you know it's third and 15
2: as compared to third and four. From KCKD, Coach Donnan has said our defense struggles in the normal short to medium, second and third down kind of deals on the down and distance situations. Can you elaborate more on why those struggles occur?
1: Well, because there's the run-pass option. I mean, you can, you can run or pass in those situations, and you, you, you've got to call your defense. that gives a percentage of stopping both as compared to when you know it's pretty good chance it's going to be heavy pass, you can call a lot – more defenses or heavy run. So uh, every team, it's not just us, every team is not near as good when they got the threat of run and pass. So, uh, But it gets back to the experience factor of our team uh, getting better at it. We've gotten a lot better, but still we don't have quite the defensive prowess that we had last year as far as personnel that wouldn't, doesn't make any difference. What, you, what you're running on offense, we can stop it.
2: Dog of Ages asked, Coach, do people call you to try to get information on Georgia? We know NFL teams do, the college teams.
1: Yeah, I could see them calling me. I say, I hear you serious, man. I said, you know, <laughs> hey, we're going to run the wishbone this week. We're probably going to run. Two- I watched another the other day. They run the two man rush with nine drop, and hey, <laughs> they know better than do that. and that, And guys like Bear and Stanford Steed. Stanford Steed's going to be over there this week. He's looking for some scoop, and I told him, you're not getting any. You're not getting any. They like to punk me up. They think they they're, they like to get me riled up about things, but
2: nobody <laughs> ca- calls me
1: about Georgia, that's for sure.
2: Semper Fi Dog 76, what y'all's best guess on the shade of just for men that Ryan Day uses? And black beard. I, think, I guess is what I don't saying. think he uses
1: it. I mean, he's a young guy. He's not even forty, is he? How old is he? I'll find out. I mean, he played it. Uh, played it. Uh, he can't be over forty-two. He's forty-three. Oh, I missed it.
0: But he, <laughs> I think it's Captain, Captain Morgan Black. That's what I use. Nothing wrong with him
1: dyeing that beard.
0: Hey, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Trust me. <laughs> That's just for men. You dye yours? I do a little bit. Oh, yeah, I when, you I, when, when I, can you that
1: light. I can guarantee you don't dye your hair <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: I, hey i save money that way this, this right. stuff goes it goes a lot further when you're just doing this but so let I mean, me
1: make how much time we got left i've I, 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 uh i got one more yeah, much time as you want, coach it's up to you I got one more recruiting story for you at the end so let's keep going here well oh, let's, let's just finish through. with
2: this because it was somewhere in our uh michael hickox asked if we're doing a watch along show saturday
1: Yes, we are. We sure are. It's going to be Dane and I solo, but we're going to – Roddy's going to be over Not going to be any busy.
0: good without me there.
2: Roddy's going to be over there big time Time in it. and uh, Hey, uh, it was Coach and I solo when Georgia won a national championship. That's all, right. all I'm saying.
0: Because, yeah, but it wasn't a good show. Georgia won a title. but won
2: show It was the Same most viewed show we've had. Same thing with Florida, but uh... – I know. <laughs> yes, right, Coach, good, good games. you probably, probably don't want me there. I always want you around. Bringing everybody down. You bring food. (laughs) So,
1: so in 1976, I was coaching in North Carolina, and we were getting ready to go to a bowl game. And all the coaches had, you you know, gone to visit somebody as far as their families and all. But then we were going to assemble back after Christmas Day. And we were recruiting this kid out of uh, Goldsboro, North Carolina, called Ken – his name was Ken Mack. And it was between us and Duke. And and, uh, I was offensive backfield coach, and I was involved. But Pat Watson – who everybody knows, coaching me here. He he had that area and he'd done a good job with But the kid committed to to Duke and he was supposed to sign the day before Christmas. And so he had it all set up. They got this big party set up and everything. And so uh, about uh, two o'clock, he calls a Pat down in Mississippi who's visiting his mom and dad and said, "Look." said this guy duke said he can't come over here to my signing party because he's he's got something else and he wanted me to have it later uh you know you know uh when he gets back and uh and, and basically the, the mom and dad were really mad and invited all these people so pat said hey can you go down there and go to the party and the signing party and of course it was the day before christmas man i wasn't too jacked up about it but uh <laughs> I said sure I'll go and uh, so we went down there and just because we went to the signing party got the kid and he ended up playing good and he worked for Carolina for a long time raising money but I don't think I've ever seen a a party where I went as a coach where all the decorations were the other teams you know we had Duke blue instead of Carolina blue and (laughs) I was in there and but they, they welcomed me and everything, but uh, that mama just took over and said, hey, if that guy won't even drive down there to Goldsboro to sign you, we, we're going to go to Carolina. So that's what happened.
0: <laughs> Love it. That's the best Christmas Eve steal I've ever heard of. That's better than the Grinch. <laughs> right. That's good stuff.
2: All right, did, did you get through all the questions, sir? Uh, there's a few more, but some of them are pertaining to things that we can get to when Georgia's not playing Ohio State in a few days. There's some people want to know about Ernest Green for the spring, some people questioning uh, Eric glad Gilbert.
1: We got, glad we got Ernest. And in the case of uh, Gilbert, uh, I wish him well. I feel like uh, Ron Corson, our support staff, Kirby, every, they did everything possible to support this young man. And, uh, you know, he he's uh, – I hope he can get his – situation set where he can, uh, you know, be a, a viable football player somewhere because, you know, all of us have issues with our health and uh, I don't really know what his are in particular, but the, the main thing is uh, good luck to you. And, you know, he got a national championship ring out of Yeah.
0: I'm really excited about Ernest Green. Absolutely. I, I'm just thinking about The fact that you're going to lose uh, two tackles, maybe Congrats. three.
1: Well, you don't know about McClendon for sure, but you got to think uh, these guys we got coming in are pretty good too. Uh, I've talked to some some of our coaches; they're really high on these old linemen we got. We we didn't do that great this last year on old line, but uh, but anyhow, uh, get ready for the game. I feel good. Uh, if you ask me, what song I want to sing? It'd be James Brown. No.
0: I feel good, too, Coach. Uh, you made me feel – I was worried about it, especially when they were talking about Ohio State uh, trying to get more physical for this game, doing good on good, banging their heads a little bit. Uh, they know what's coming. And, again, I, I think about them being like Georgia was last year with something to prove. But it's going to be a lot harder to prove against Georgia than it was against Michigan last year. So,
2: And the short history of the CFP, there's been a lot of blowouts in the semifinals especially. Yeah. I mean, they've been –
1: They've been in the CFP throughout the last four years, but that's about all. They were in it. But, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> they were there.
2: That's that's a fact.
0: Uh, the question out of the bottom of the screen there, real quick, be the last one. Did the early enrollees make the trip? I want to get back on to touch of this. You saw. The, uh, so I think I saw Jamal Jared in the background of a pick. Yes. As Coach mentioned at the very first beginning of the show, five early enrollees actually made the trip to Georgia. That's news to me. I didn't know that they could do that. We've been told that they couldn't. Coach mentioned that uh, there's a new – NCAA rule that allows them to travel they don't get all the bowl gear they can't play in the game but they can do some of the practices so that's uh, helping I also reported last night that um, uh, Buster Faulkner who has a job with Georgia Tech is going to stick around and help Georgia through the playoffs so I thought that's a very classy move on his part he could be busting his tail over at Georgia Tech I'm sure he's still doing stuff for them but he's sticking around so the point being. Coach mentioned the support personnel for this team and how many of them traveled to Atlanta to help out. You had five extra bodies to help them with practice, and you still have one of your uh, premier uh, offensive analysts who works with the quarterbacks working with this team. So by the end of the week, this uh, the Georgia Bulldogs should be primed, ready to go inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes. We will take you folks on next Tuesday at noon, Please be sure to tune in. We'll either talk about the uh, the upcoming game or we'll talk about what happened in the uh, uh, Mercedes-Benz Dome next Tuesday at noon. We look forward to seeing you then.